Hello and welcome to the Vetfolio Podcast. My name is Matthew Lyon and I'll be serving as your host. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series on financial planning, brought to you by Vetfolio and Hills Pet Nutrition. During this four-part series, we'll explore how you can make the most of your money and some unique opportunities for those in the veterinary profession. Our guest speaker for this exciting topic is Stith Kaiser, the business manager for My Veterinary Career for the American Animal Hospital Association. Stith founded My Veterinary Career in 2007 and began supporting the profession through the organization's efforts to connect the professionals with practices across North America looking for talented individuals. Stith's industry experience includes facilitating workshops and speaking at national and local veterinary conferences. Additionally, he conducts career development-related workshops for Veterinary Business Management Association and student chapters of the AVMA. Stith is a member of the Veterinary Partners, chair of the Career Development Special Interest Group, and serves on the American Animal Hospital Association's recent graduate task force. Let's join Stith as he explores practice ownership as a piece of your portfolio. In our session on investment strategies for each stage of your career, we touched on practice ownership as a potentially impactful piece of that puzzle. In this session, the fourth and final in our personal finance series, we'll explore practice ownership as a piece of your portfolio. Practice ownership, like any investment, carries its own set of risks. But for those of us, whether you're on the management side, who are up to the challenge, there is something very satisfying about doing what we love, being in veterinary medicine, supporting our team in pursuing their passion in our hospitals, and creating a valuable investment for ourselves. That's why I personally love practice ownership as a piece of this investment portfolio. When I first started speaking a few years ago, I had a lot of students and recent graduates who were scared of practice ownership. And I've seen studies over the years where sometimes much less than 50%, sometimes around 50% of new grads are thinking about ownership. When I talk to them about why they're nervous about it, I hear the same core concerns. Number one, there's a misperception of what it's like. And what I'm talking about here is think about the old, burnt-out veterinarian who's been doing this for 35 years, uh, isn't making any money, is working all the time, and now hates the profession. Fortunately, it's not a lot of people like that, but I bet everyone on this call can think of someone who is in that burnt-out stage. Practice ownership scares people because if that's what the practice owner looks like, I don't want to be a practice owner either. Another concern I see is a lack of business acumen. You can be a phenomenal veterinarian. I know a lot of phenomenal veterinarians who try to own a practice, and unfortunately, the practice doesn't flop. And I say unfortunately because what they end up doing is spending their entire career in a practice that kind of just floats along, and then when they go to retire, they have nothing to actually sell. Another concern I hear is a concern over finding financing, especially among recent graduates. I know coming out with our debt loads and what they are, we wonder, can we go get a bank to finance us? Fortunately, the answer is yes. We'll talk more about that. And lastly, not knowing where to start. One of my former AHA team leaders graduated a couple of years ago, has been a practitioner for a few years, was actually a small business owner prior to entering veterinary school. But when she came out and after a few years of practice decided she wanted to go buy a practice, she didn't even know where to begin. No, she knew how to start a business, but how did she find a practice? How did she value a practice? How did she get the culture in place? How did she set up all the vendor relations? So not knowing where to go can also be a big hurdle. Fortunately, through efforts from the ABMA, AHA, VBMA, just to name a few, there are more resources than ever before available for aspiring practice owners. 
we know what the concerns are. We know that the profession as a whole is doing a better job of addressing it. So why even consider it? Why think about some of the headaches that are, gonna, that are going to come with any business, including practice ownership? First, and I touched on this earlier, but it's a phenomenal opportunity for someone passionate about shaping the future of vet med. You know, we can, we can all complain about what's going on in the profession, student debt, earning potential, competition from a variety of different sources. Being a practice owner allows us to practice the level of medicine that we want to deliver the level of client experience that we want and to really help shape what vet med looks like. It's also an opportunity to practice your own way and to your own standards. I hear a lot of recent grads who've been out for a few years and they say, you know, I didn't stay at this practice or this practice because I just didn't agree with their ethics. I didn't agree with how they did things. No practice is perfect, and your practice isn't going to be perfect. My practice isn't perfect. But at least if we're practice owners, we can decide the things that we're not willing to move on versus the things that we can be flexible with. For a lot of students in recent grads coming out with 162000 and now it's even more than that worth of student debt, you start doing the math on how long it's going to take you to pay that off as an associate veterinarian, and you're going to figure out really quickly that it is prudent to explore other investment opportunities. I'm not saying price ownership is right for everybody. I know there's some people that are going to go into industry, public health, work for the government in different roles. So I realize that price ownership is not for every person, but for someone who enjoys the challenges of being a leader, running a business. It can be a great strategy for combating our debt loads these days. And lastly, when practice ownership is done right, it's one of the best investments you can make for yourself and your family, at least from my experience. If we're going to view practice ownership as an investment, let's talk specifically about compensation as it varies between being an associate and being an owner. Because if we are doing practice ownership not just as a vehicle as an, for an investment, but we certainly expect some return if it's going to be part of our portfolio, we need to understand how our ROI or our return on investment varies based on our role. If you're an associate veterinarian, how do you get paid or what do you get paid for? And you're probably thinking, well, I get paid for my time. And you're right. You get paid to show up every day or whatever your schedule is, and you get paid to work. And we pay you with a paycheck. It may be straight salary. It may be pro-sal. We talked about different compensation models in our last session. But you're going to get paid for what you do. As an owner, especially as an owner of veterinarian, how do you get paid? If you're thinking paycheck, you're right. If you're an owner of veterinarian and you're working in the practice as a veterinarian, you're going to get a paycheck, just like your associate does. Straight salary, production, pro-sal, you're getting that paycheck. Here's where it's really cool to be an owner, though, because in addition to getting a paycheck for being a veterinarian, Assuming you're doing some management in your practice, even if you have a practice manager, you get a management check every month. So now you're not only getting your paychecks every month, you're getting a management check. Industry experts say that about 3 to 5% of a practice's gross income should go toward management. So now if you have a hospital administrator, she may get 4% and you get 1%, or it can vary based on the roles you've got. But as an owner, if you're involved in management, you should be getting a management check every single month. There's an ROI check. We need to view our practices as an investment. If you go put money in the stock market, you put money in the stock market expecting a rate of return, 10% on average. I do the same thing with practices. If I'm going to invest in a practice, I expect an average rate of return of 10%. Now, if I do my job well, I actually should be getting 20 to 30%, but let's use 10% as an entry-level first practice. This is the rate of return you're going to be getting. And that's a check you really ought to be getting every single month. So you look at the amount of money you put into the practice, and you take 10% of that for an annual number, and you divide that out over 12 months, and that's the, the check you ought to be getting every month. If you own the real estate, which I recommend doing in most cases, you ought to be giving yourself a rent check. 
this is easier to describe on paper, but when you own a practice that has real estate, you actually want to set up two different entities. You're going to have an usually, and please talk to an attorney about this, but usually you're going to have an LLC that owns the real estate, and you're going to be the owner of that LLC. You're also going to have a corporation of some sort. Again, please talk to an attorney about what's best for your individual situation in your state. But you're going to have a corporation that you're also the owner of. Your practice corporation is going to rent space from your real estate LLC just like if it was renting it in a strip mall. The way this works from a paycheck, though, is let's say that your mortgage on that property is 1000 bucks a month. You don't just charge the practice 1000 bucks worth of rent. You charge the practice 1200 or 1500 bucks of rent. What that does is it allows your real estate entity to pay off the mortgage, in this case $1,000, and then as the owner of that real estate entity, you now get to pocket that 200 to $500 of excess cash every month. The reason to do that instead of just adding it directly into your paycheck is it gets taxed at a different rate. So you're getting the money either way, but you get a little bit more money from the same dollar figure if you run it through rent. You have to be a little bit careful. You can't just jack up rent tenfold and expect to get away with it. The general rule of thumb is you can set rent at about 10% of your practice's gross and usually be okay having your real estate company charge your practice 10%. Once you go over that, uh, be careful for the IRS. And lastly, if you own a practice, whenever you're ready to sell it, you have all that equity. When you sell your practice, when you sell your real estate, you're hopefully going to get a nice lump sum check. When you think about those numbers, the numbers make sense if you're a successful practice owner. Please realize that according to the Bayer Bracke study, about two-thirds of practice owners did not use any financial metrics to run their practice. The interesting thing is those that did, so those that had budgets, those that knew how to read a P&L, those that understood how to pay themselves like we just talked about, made about two-thirds more than those that didn't. Just being a practice owner does not entitle you to, to any of those things we just talked about. It's our responsibility as practice owners to educate ourselves and put ourselves in a position where our practice can afford to allow us to do that. Another reason I talked about of why people shy away from ownership is this model of I'm going to be working 100-hour weeks by myself. One of the cool evolutions I'm seeing in vet med is that ownership models are changing. Yes, you can still be a solo owner. I know solo owners that are successful, they do have a good work-life balance, and they love not having to deal with another partner. You can be a partner. I've gotten advice several times saying you should treat partnership and vet med as a marriage. Unfortunately, partnership does not always have the same benefits that marriage does. Just basically cautioning us that you don't just jump into a business partnership with anybody. You want to find somebody who has strengths and weaknesses that complement yours. So if I'm good at this, I want you to be good at that. Uh, really talk out not only how you're going to get into the partnership, but I see a lot of people that get excited about the front side and don't ever talk about exit strategies. I really caution you not to get involved in, in a partnership unless you've got an exit strategy set up just in case things go south. You can be an investor in a practice. Even as a veterinarian, a lot of us think that as a practice owner, I have to work in the practice that I own. Several successful owners I know are practicing veterinarians, and they do work in a practice they own, but they also have small stakes in other practices where their role might be more management or leadership. Don't restrict yourself only to the physical practice that you're in. And then lastly, I know there are smaller corporate practice groups that will come in and buy a majority of your practice and leave you with a small share, their philosophy being you still get that ownership, but they take care of some of the management and HR responsibilities for you. What I want you to take away from that is there's a lot of different ways to make ownership work. Don't get stuck in the rut of the traditional model and let that sway you from doing it.
if you think practice ownership might be right for you now, whether, whether now means you're a student or now means you've been out of practice for a few years, now is the time to start preparing. I don't have time today to go into detail on everything I'm getting ready to tell you, but hopefully down the road we will have the opportunity to. And in the meantime, here's the things I recommend you start thinking about now to set yourself up for success. Number one, learn business basics. Great resources, Vetfolio, AHA, AVMA, Vetvance. Some great resources on teaching you how to read a P&L, those KPIs I mentioned so many times. You need to understand how business actually works. Know and manage your credit score. We talked about how to do that. If you're going to seek financing from someone, from a bank, you've got to have a credit score that's going to allow that. Assemble a team of advisors. I see in this profession of type A people, we think we can do everything ourselves. No one out there, myself included, can be an expert at everything. And you are fooling yourself, just like I'd be fooling myself, to tell someone that I can go be perfect at everything I do. The most successful people that I know in vet med realize what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, and they find people that are better than them in the areas where they're not strong. That might mean a business consultant. That should mean an attorney. That should mean a strong lender. Find people who can complement your strengths and help you put the right practice team together. Next, think about how you want to purchase a practice. Do you want to start one up? Do you want to buy into a practice? Do you want to buy out a current owner? Again, all pros and cons. I'd love to go into more detail. Hopefully, we'll have the opportunity down the road. But there's a lot of different ways to get into this ownership role. Next one is consider the type of business ownership. You heard me throw around corps, S-corps, C-corps, LLCs. Again, I'm not a CPA, but talk to an expert who can coach you based on where you are and what tax implications are going to look like on what's best for you. Consider the facility itself. I was just down at a friend's practice, and she's leasing the practice that she's in right now. That made sense for her. A lot of times I prefer, at least in my own practices, to, to buy the real estate for some of the reasons we talked about. Building is another great option, which also has some certainly some potential for disaster to it. But think about the pros and cons between leasing a facility, buying a facility, and building a facility. Consider location and demographics. I've seen some great business plans go flat because they were in the wrong area, and I've seen, to be honest, some bad business plans actually end up taking off because they had the right demographics. Take your time. Study your area. There's some great resources out there, some consultants that do that. The ADMA has a site with some demographic information, but try to understand what pet ownership trends are like, what household income is like in areas you're looking at. And then lastly, you're going to recognize this, understand basic practice financials. I don't care how good of a veterinarian or a leader you are, while those are extremely important to have a successful practice, you've got to understand how to read balance sheets, P&Ls. You've got to understand pricing strategies. You need to know how to leverage the team that you have. There are many practice owners who retire with almost nothing. I know I told a story about that. And I'm not here to mislead you into thinking that practice ownership is a foolproof investment because it's not. Where I will tell you, though, is that from my experience and from watching practice owners much smarter than me, practice ownership can be a phenomenal investment, not just financially, but also as a vehicle to do what you love, build a legacy, and control your own destiny. I hope you enjoyed our series on personal finance. If you have any further questions about anything we've discussed or want more information, please don't hesitate to contact me directly, either through LinkedIn, or you're welcome to email me at my name, stiff.kaiser, at aha which is aaha.org. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast on financial planning. We'd like to thank Hills Pet Nutrition for partnering with Vetfolio to bring you this great series. If you'd like to share your comments and thoughts on this podcast or other Vetfolio podcasts, please email us at support at vetfolio.com.